0: the weather outside is frightful but the fire is so delightful since we've no place to go let it snow let it snow let it snow
1: it yippee-ki-yay motherfuckers to welcome me. to clappercast yeah, episode 89 the christmas special uh we chose it really at clappercast to make a statement and not do a holiday special but a christmas special uh so you can complain to someone about that i'm sure but we are talking about some of our favorite Christmas films uh, to celebrate the holiday season, because why not? Uh, I'm your host, Carson Tamar, as always, joined by the lovely Lena Falls the iconic Paul Price. How are you guys doing this holiday season?
0: I'm good. I'm in a Christmas onesie and drinking boozy hot chocolate. Homemade, not just like, you know, out of a packet. Like I like spent the time. I melted the chocolate I put in the cocoa powder. I did it all.
2: My best friend Gwen talks about boozy hot chocolate all the time. So I'm happy to know it's not just a niche thing because I thought it was just her family that did that. Because my family, didn't. we don't drink alcohol in this household. <laughs> I've been at my grandma's since mid-December living my best life. Uh, just like just bopping around square one mall and harassing my cousin's cat that's all i've done for the past 10 days it's been fantastic and relaxing i'm having a great holiday season
0: so the fun thing about um all kind of drinks is that you can make anything boozy alina everything can be boozy but it's the fact <laughs> eggnog, that you said boozy, boozy it's- <laughs> yeah, well i mean they're like you know boozy eggnog boozy apple cider which actually apple cider usually is boozy uh, boozy um You can do mulled wine which is basically remaking a liquor into something more like holiday seasoning the whole holidays (laughs) can be alcoholic
1: and that's the only way to get through them i mean if you just fill if you fill any liquid with enough vodka it's a boozy whatever it is so that's i think how you do it. oh yeah
0: well especially there is the vodka line and this is like you know uh getting away with drinking uh while you're still living with your folks there's a vodka line where you can drink something without it tasting like alcohol and so you like add a little bit of vodka here and there but never enough to where it like smells or looks like or um tastes like if someone happens to grab your cup you got it down it's a it's usually about a shot and a half you can sneak around with And if there was
1: any questions of which of the three was an alcoholic here, take it to way to Paul (laughs) a minute into our Christmas special telling you how to secretly drink around your family. (laughs) Good on you, Paul. Um, You know
0: what? I think that's the most helpful hint of the entire episode. Um, also Alina's just too young. Once she hits 30, she'll understand. <laughs> she'll still I'm be at I'm 24
2: out. and I'm broken. My family's just Muslim. <laughs> no,
0: now give it another six years and you'll be like, mm. <laughs> you're like re-listening to this episode. Like, okay, what was the hint? <laughs> the vodka line?
1: <laughs> so let's get into the holiday spirit. Let's get into Christmas. We all picked a film just like we did with Halloween. But sadly, we have no James Corden, but we'll we'll move on. We don't need to talk about that. Alina, start us off. You picked... Well, I'm not going to say what you picked. Why don't you just introduce what you picked? You did such a good job with the silent showdown. Take it away.
2: I picked Elf because I fucking hate Christmas. Uh, I mean, Christmas as a concept is fine. I just hate the consumerism and capitalism aspects of it, which makes me sound like a communist, but like, that's fine. I just think Christmas is a shitty fucking time. But Elf is a godsend in this dark time for me because I fucking love Will Ferrell so much. He's just, like, my guy. If you know me, you know my taste in movies has been shaped by the $5 bin at Walmart. So, like, Elf is just, like, fully my humor. I think everybody's seen Elf. It's one of the, like, classic Christmas movies. But if you don't know, uh, Buddy is a human, and he gets put up for adoption, and when Santa is delivering presents to an orphanage, he sneaks into Santa's sack as a baby, and he gets adopted by it and raised by elves in the North Pole, and then he, like, grows up and he goes back to New York City to find his dad, and shenanigans, shenanigans ensue, and I love a movie where shenanigans ensue, so that's Elf. It's also directed by John Favreau, which I always forget, and then I see him, and I'm like, wait, that's Happy Hogan. I don't know. I just really love this movie. I watch it like usually every year, if I remember. It's This is like the Christmas movie for me.
1: I mean, yeah, it is hysterical. I mean, Will Ferrell is all around great. I wouldn't even like, I'm not even going to make a definitive statement like this is his best, but it's one of his best. Um, I think what really struck me this time around, because it's been a couple of years, let's say since I watched it, is just simply like, I love the production design in this film. I love how over the top every single moment of it is. Um, when he decorates the store, it is just genuinely quite magical. Uh, but Will Ferrell is so over the top, but never annoying. His character is the one where you think he would be annoying on paper as he's screaming and crying and shouting and acting like a child, but he isn't. Um, every single moment, that was just so over the top that you kind of have to love it. Um, and a clean 97 minutes. If this was made today, it would be 2 hours 10 minutes. It does not overstay its welcome. It's charming. It is genuinely funny. Um, it's, it's hard to imagine a project like this being made any better than it is now with Elf.
0: Yeah, no, I I have an interesting, like, uh, background with Elf in that I didn't like Elf after Mm. the first time I watched it. So I remember watching and thinking it was the funniest movie, but I also, this is being someone who's a millennial, um, I also remember that, like, (laughs) In the like mid 2000s, this kind of comedy, this Napoleon Dynamite, all those kind of movies just suddenly became so ubiquitous that like you couldn't find them funny anymore. Um, you basically would hear every joke, every, you know, sequence, you'd see it constantly playing like whenever people talked about holiday movies, it was it was elf. And you're just like, oh, God. and then so I haven't really touched this movie in years so i went into this like okay this is alina's pick but i forgot how much fun it is and it's um also just full of like really great supporting characters that like you know you have ed asner as santa and bob newhart as papa elf and then zoe deschanel is you know jovi which is not a real name by the way like i love how they just play it like oh it's fine and i'm like that's I was expecting something about her used to be funny and jovial, but uh, no, it just (laughs) that's her name, her God given name, Um, (laughs) which is embarrassing. Um, But yeah, this is this is really fun. Um, Weirdly, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but like the Peter Dinklage scene has ne- I've never seen a scene age so poorly. Like, I watch it now and I'm like, oh my God, it's so bad. Like, it's all, it's not even funny anymore because you just feel bad for this, like, later Emmy winning, possibly Oscar winning actor who's sitting there just having to be called Elf 400 times. <laughs> and you're like, God, it was hard for him back in the day. <laughs> I mean, I know it works out for him. So, like, you know. Get your bag at this point because I'm sure he's making bank off this five second roll, but uh, yeah, no, it's just like it's the one like oof moment. Oh, well, that and um, my favorite point in the entire movie is when the mailroom guy who is in his 50s at minimum goes, I'm 26.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people talking about this on Twitter over the past couple of days, and so many people don't realize that it's a joke.
0: I don't think it is. It I think is it... a
2: joke. There's no way it's not a no, joke.
0: I think it's supposed to be just like they wrote this line, and then the next thing is like, oh, we cast this guy. Yeah, and it may be like a small joke, but it doesn't play as a joke. So, like, I
2: think that's what makes it funny.
0: <laughs> but it like wasn't. It wasn't funny as a kid. It was like yeah. <laughs> it was very much like. Oh, yeah, I guess this is what 26 looks like, which I mean, looking at Alina now, I do see that, but
2: that's rude. <laughs>
0: I see it coming in. But uh, I guess you could say it was a joke. But I always just was like, when I was watching, I was like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> but no, just like every single moment, though, he uses the Etch-A-Sketch and like, it's so funny. It's so iconic. Um, it's sad because you don't really see him like this christmas genre when you talk about the christmas films of today it is so often and we'll talk about one of them at least um these really like shitty cheaply made bad paint by numbers like things that just aren't funny and they're not trying to be and it's just like they don't make watching elf and it's weird that it was this film that made me feel this way but i was like damn they don't make films like this anymore like they don't make comedies like this out of everything to do it elf did it
0: yeah, actually, uh, that's what I noticed about all these movies we're going to talk about um, of the classics. Um, <laughs> where I was like watching and about halfway through, I'd be like, huh, yeah, we just don't do these movies. We've just stopped with this genre of just like kind of fun Christmassy movies. I feel like, you know, we did the um, Christmas streaming special and I feel like all of them felt kind of homogenized and these are all so different, like everything single one of them even going into um like this versus muppets christmas carol um just in terms of like four kids but this one is very strongly in the comedy world um the other thing i love is the animals in this all being this like claymation and kind of being like in Mr. the same
2: world.
0: yeah being in the same world as like rudolph the red-nosed reindeer which makes no sense logically but i love it Mm -hmm. um it's so fun to have you know uh the little santa or not um the little snowman who's just sitting there leon i think is his name in this
2: Mm
1: -hmm. i just Uh, always remember that
0: bye buddy oh i know hope you find your dad there's just
2: so many like good line deliveries in this movie like the part when will ferrell is writing a apology letter to i think his dad are like the entire family, and he like finishes it with. And I'm sorry, I shoved like 14 cookies into the VCR. I don't know why, but that always cracks me up. Just because like the way he says it is just like so funny. Because it's not trying to be funny. Just but, oh my god, it's it's everything about this movie is like so good. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, this is like fantastic. And like going back to what you're saying about like newer Christmas movies, I feel like we just don't get like classic Christmas movies anymore. There's been nothing recently that has like made the cultural impact that like diehard um elf and like muppets christmas carol have like they've they've been like critically acclaimed but i don't see people like going back to rewatch like klaus every year
0: there is like a a very specific aspect of this that feels like it could be set in the 70s or 80s as much as it's set today there's nothing that's specifically about like high tech or anything like that um which is is really fun and makes it more timeless feeling i think the only jokes that i was like i was trying to pay attention if any like felt dated and i think even the one that you mentioned in alina the vcr is the only one that's like oh yeah that's that's no one uses vcrs anymore but everything else like still sticks pretty well um and feels relatively modern
2: um i feel like i've heard like a lot of stories from like the set of elf though uh You know what's really sad is Will Ferrell, apparently they want him to like do an Elf sequel and he like completely denies it and I'm on his side because I feel like it would ruin the like classicness of Elf. But at the same time, I do think it would be hilarious to see like um, a buddy in his mid fifties and like how he's coping with like New York now. I've just been thinking about it a lot ever since that. Like uh, I think he did it in like the early 2010s on like some talk show. Uh, and then I was reading more um, more IMDB pages, and apparently when, like, Buddy first gets to New York, they caused, like, a lot of, like, actual traffic accidents because they were actually filming on the streets of New York. Um, like, you know, when he gets hit by a car. I feel like that was, like, for the movie, but they did, like, get a bunch of, like, fender benders and whatever. And there was another one that I read earlier. It was funny. I gotta look again. Oh, I think everyone's heard the story that Will Ferrell like, vomited when he eats like the spaghetti and syrup and M&Ms and whatever the fuck they put onto that plate. That poor man, the amount of sugar he had to eat for this movie, because it was all real. Could you imagine the headaches?
1: It looked revolting. Also, yeah. I, it was not a pleasant viewing experience that moment. Oh, God. <laughs>
2: I also learned that the cotton balls in the doctor's office are not actually cotton. It was cotton candy. And I was like, thank God, because I was really worried he was eating actual cotton Oh, there was
0: no... I was thinking that actually this time, because I always thought they were cotton
1: balls. And then I was like, no, he's swallowing us too quick. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: But no, it's cotton candy. And they just didn't dye pink.
1: The timing of that scene is incredible. The entire timing, I guess, overall. Like, Favreau, I think, is a really underrated director in general. I know a lot Mm -hmm. of people like Chef. But, like, I forgot this was also directed by him. And like the timing of every moment is so good.
2: Mm-hmm. I think John Favreau gets a lot of shit for like doing the like big movies like Jungle Book and Lion King and stuff like that. But he's not bad at all. He's like a solid guy.
1: I think Lion King's probably, I mean, I, I like Jungle Book quite a bit. Lion King I'm fine with. I don't hate it. But
2: mm-hmm. other
1: than that, it's pretty solid all around.
2: Apparently he's del- he did Cowboys and Aliens, which I didn't know.
1: I think one of the things about um,
0: Favreau and just in general, uh, Russo brothers and all that, when you start in comedy and then move to uh, big budget, you feel like a sellout regardless of if you are. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think the same, um, the most famous of that is uh, Colin Trevorrow. Um, who was beloved for his little movie and it was like this beloved little like indie and then he went on to do like jurassic park movies and we just decided we hated him well Uh, specifically (laughs) that we
1: hated him because book of henry because he tried to go back and everyone and i've not seen book of henry but
0: i think once you've done jurassic world um which had so many like cliches and stuff you can't really get back but um i think that's the same with favreau we all liked him during iron man but then he did iron man 2 um i think like at that point you just kind of like deal with um uh, a negativity towards him but i just feel like in general well, then he if did chef comic- and
1: everyone loved chef
0: i hate chef I chef, I like uh, chef. it's worship by a lot of people i i'm yeah well you know it. what so is nomad land
1: uh my point great films eh? Um no, uh I hated Chef. It's I wonder you though. I feel like you can say that, and considering Favreau just got his check from No Way Home, I I'm sure he is fine. Oh, he's well, and also he's running Star Wars right now. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah I love that. boy,
2: and the Mandalorian. I feel like people like forget a bunch of the stuff that like Favreau actually does. And everyone just like picks onto the things to like hate on people for and you just stick with that and you forget the all the other good stuff that people have done. And like sometimes people make shitty things. It's fine. We all do it.
1: Hold on now. He made, hold on. He made Zathura, a space adventure. That's iconic. <laughs> he That's made a good movie. Zathura. Zathura, whatever it's called.
0: I've Zathura. It.
1: <laughs> the, the way better and cooler Jumanji. Sign me up. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I never,
0: I couldn't even, like, I started it at one point, and I was like, oh, I'm, not, I'm good. Because it is just Jumanji. Um, oh, it is by the same, I didn't even know it was from the same guy who wrote Jumanji. Yes, That's it fine. is, because um I was obsessed with Jumanji as a kid. Mm-hmm. um I was a Jurassic Park Jumanji boy, if you were curious about my, like, background and things. <laughs> if creatures were eating and killing people, I was in. But um, the other thing that's weird about this movie is that De Chanel never really like became a star after this. I mean, I know she did New Girl, but it's like very surprising. You watch it and you're like, oh, this is a star making role for her. And then she went off to do a, a middling TV show for, I mean, for a bunch of years. But like, I just expected her to be a way bigger star, especially now. What we're like nearly 20 years out from this movie. <laughs> it's very upsetting to find that out. Um, wait, is this older
1: than you, Carson? No, no, same year. (laughs) No, not same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Paul, you mentioned that you like monsters killing people. Uh, Do you like people killing people? Because your film, why don't you go ahead and introduce it this time?
0: So I mainly picked the next movie because of the debate that always happens uh, regarding is this a Christmas movie? Uh, And I was curious about your guys' opinions. But I have a resounding yes for it after watching this again. Die Hard. Um, dear Lord, is this just a blatant Christmas movie. Um, <laughs> like, there was points where I was like, oh, it's just a Christmas party. I'm like, no, they're singing. Now they're saying, like, ho, ho, ho. Like, no, it's it's Christmas, guys. Now um, I
2: have a machine gun. Ho, yeah. ho, ho. I would <laughs> like that sweater. Thank you very much.
0: Um, oh, I have so many thoughts about that guy's outfit. I was looking at it. He was walking around. I was like, you're very comfortable during your terrorist attack.
2: I would argue that that sweater is better than Merry Christmas. You filthy animals. Oh I'd yeah. I'd rather totally. wear that. It's so Agreed. much funnier.
0: Um, so yeah, we're talking about diehard, which is uh, John McClane, a New York police officer who comes to his possibly ex-wives. Um, they're trying to figure it out. Uh, Christmas party at her office for a job. To the end of the movie, I could not figure out what they do. <laughs> um
2: I thought I, they were like an architecture firm.
0: <laughs> I, was no, I have no idea. I thought they were marketing. No, they talked
2: about like building a building. I don't know because they there's a point where like oh there's a bunch oh. of unfinished floors. I thought they were an architecture. What firm. do they
1: do? She is a real. They do real estate. Fi they do real estate. Uh, Why apparently. do they have?
0: a bunch of art in Wiki. <laughs> um, So, he goes to his wife's real, also a gorgeous building for a real estate firm. Um, so, uh, he goes to this Christmas party, and also, Alan Rickman shows up as a German Hans Gruber, and he kills a bunch of people while he tries to uh get a vault unlocked and i liked this movie as a kid and i picked this because i was like you know what this is a fun movie we'll talk about but i have like no real personal connection so maybe we'll like rip some jokes on it because there's a lot of things to make fun of in this but man is this fun it is so good And I had forgotten. And when we were talking about Elf, like, they don't make movies like this anymore. I was like, when was the last time I, like, loved an action movie? You know, I was trying to think of my favorite action of the year. And I think Cop Shop is what ends up being number one. But even Cop Shop, I was like, this is fine. I don't need to watch it again. Uh, Die Hard is so much fun. And I think it's mainly because of uh, how they really allow John McClane's character to not be a superhero until close to the last like 10 15 minutes before he like almost is superhuman but even then like there's a bunch of things that are just luck um you know if there are multiverses he dies a million different ways <laughs> and this is just the one he makes it through um but i'm curious what you guys thought
2: i enjoy this movie a lot i haven't watched this one in probably like at least a decade i remember in my early teenage years i found like a vhs box set of the first three movies and i watched them all and then i watched four and five i think there's only five um so i watched all of them within like quick succession and i really like one and three those are the ones that stand out to me the most but like the original one is the best one uh and i've been meaning to rewatch it for years and i've just like never gotten around to it and i'm so glad we finally picked it because like it still holds up i had decent taste as like a 12 year old Picking up random VHSs in my father's house. Uh, I don't know. I just like, the action's really good. And there's also just some really funny and iconic lines. Like Bruce Willis' character of like John McClane, he's just like such an all-American badass guy. And Paul's right. You don't really see like actions like about this anymore. There's like nothing to me in like the last while that stands out like this it's so good there's like nothing more you can say about it it's just good everyone talks about it every year because it, it holds up for a reason i don't know what it is but it's just like it doesn't even feel dated even though it was made in like the late 80s
0: no there's only one spot in this movie um where i was like Oh wow, this would not play the same today. Even I know, though it... It was
2: like they this would be solved if they had said had cell phones. Oh but...
0: no, no, no. That was <laughs> not <laughs> No, I was thinking about um his best friend, the
2: the limo driver?
0: The cop Al.
2: Oh, oh yeah.
0: <laughs> his main crisis is that he feels bad that he shot a child <laughs> 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 and this movie gives him a big character beat by letting him once again murder someone <laughs> it was like oh, wow this plays completely differently today but he's like telling the story and i was like oh and it, it's not even a question of why he's not in jail <laughs> they're just like no no it's fine that he shot a 13 year old with a ray gun um and then when he's like proud to have murdered somebody again. I was like, yes, good. LAPD,
1: do it. I mean, at least <laughs> the I mean, yes, one was is. in
2: fact a terrorist, but you know <laughs> it, it still gave me the oof when we heard that story.
1: I thought this film was good. I, I've not grown up with this, which is gonna be a theme of this episode um from here on out, specifically with the one other film I could grow up with. Um but I think it's good. It is timeless, like you mentioned. Um, It is so iconic, the amount of iconography in this film to just be iconic, whether or not you grew up with this film, and I've seen it before, but like there are so many lines that you're just like, oh yeah, that's, I recognize that, that's from Die Hard. It's just made such a cultural impact. I was really taken back because, or by how I guess um, the beginning specifically, it takes a while to get into the action. It takes a while for the film to get going, which I'm not saying even as a negative, But this film, really, I forgot, like, it's not just a dumb action film. Like, there is a movie here. There are characters here. There are arcs here. Um, Alan Rickman is incredible, as always. Um, And the other thing to really stick out to me is I didn't realize Skyscraper, or that, Skyscraper, starring our boy Dwayne Johnson, was just a remake of this. Didn't really recognize that in the theater when I saw Skyscraper. But it just is diehard, but worse. It's still fine, but... Um, definitely nothing compared to Die Hard. I really enjoyed this one. Even if I can't say I love it, I don't watch this every year. I probably wouldn't watch this every year. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was.
0: Yeah, I also have not watched this every year. And this is one of those things where this will happen to you, Carson, uh, and lesser Alina, um, because you're already kind of in it. You're in between our ages. But you'll watch a movie and then you'll be like, oh yes, I recently watched Die Hard when I was twenty. And you're like, that was 10 years ago. I know. Like, <laughs> like the time actually moves I probably so watched quick. this
2: when I was twelve and not since then is freaky to me.
0: I know. And you the, to your point, Carson, everything in this is so iconic. <laughs> like you're sitting there and you're like, oh yeah, I know the next scene. Oh yeah. Oh, there they go. They're shooting the glass. And I've been waiting for the glass to get shot. Like I remember that being like something as a kid like sent me up a wall. Um you know in terms of like uh my like synesthesia for like pain in movies that's like this is a top one for me in terms of like when i remember um but yeah i love that each of the villains too has like arcs each one of these like secondary henchmen who you don't even really know their names you're like oh i you know this guy is doing this for this reason um except for the guy who Looks like Fabio to the point that I thought it was Fabio. And (laughs) (laughs) then I saw him get exploded in the background. And I was like, oh, I guess that's not Fabio. (laughs) I feel like he would have gotten a bigger death than background explosion, man. But uh, no, to this day, like until earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, and Fabio's in this. No, it's not Fabio.
2: (laughs) You know, what's really interesting to me is like how much... Like, 80s movies make reference to, like, 50s westerns, like Marshall Dillon and, like, John Wayne. They're always, like, com- like action stars are always compared to, like, those two cowboys specifically. And I wonder when that, like, dropped off. Because every time somebody mentions, like, Marshall Dillon or John Wayne in a film, I'm like, these, these guys don't really get talked about much anymore. Not in the action movies. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's always something that sticks out to me. Because I know, grew up watching westerns. It's the
1: 2000s because... Now you compare them to the stars of the 90s. So just every generation, you go back to the one
2: before. Speaking of cowboys, I got a fun fact for you guys. Uh, Clint Eastwood originally owned the rights to the novel Nothing Lasts Forever, on which Die Hard was based, and planned to star in the film in the early 1980s. So could you imagine a Die Hard with Clint Eastwood?
0: I actually can, except Mm -hmm. it would be a completely different film. And that's like a testament i know bruce willis kind of is like old hat now but like he's so good in this for like what he's supposed to be mm-hmm. um and i think he's definitely needed for this to be iconic his like jokiness in this in the face of like constant death um is really important to the story
2: robert de niro also turned down the role of john mcclain i don't know why the clint Eastwood didn't work out but robert de niro turned down this role that one I don't like.
1: I think I like De Niro more than Clint Eastwood. But yeah, I want to see Eastwood make that today. Because he still wants to do action. We saw that with Cry Macho. Disney, just like, I think Disney owns this. I don't know who owns this. Throw Clint Eastwood in a building and have him fight a bunch of, like, you know,
2: German minorities.
1: And he will give it his all. <laughs> like, Clint would love this. That would be Clint's, like, dream way to go out. <laughs> um. So I have a fun
0: fact for you guys um, that I did not know. but. Holly Gennaro, McClane, um, is played by a woman named Bonnie Bedelia, also known as Macaulay Culkin's mother.
2: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> I looked it up and I was like, wait, no.
2: <laughs> we should have gotten Kevin in this movie.
0: I know. Can you imagine Kevin McAllister running around? <laughs> now that's the team up I actually want. Also, it's very interesting. She, like, does not like this role and does not want to revisit it, Um, which does make, um, you know, uh, there's a question right now with, um, specifically, The Matrix on whether, like, movies with sequels that you don't particularly like, but, like, maybe a new one gets better. Like, should you just stop at the first one you love or, like, pedal your way through? Um, It's very interesting to see, like, these. I think the fact that, uh, Holly and John McClain don't end up together, like, makes this movie so much less impactful. I love that this was the moment they, like, came back together. And to think, like, I think you can watch the first two and they're still together, but by the third one, they break up again. And I was like, Whoa, that's depressing. Um, and she's also not going to be in the last one, um, apparently. I hope she shows up for a cameo, but I don't see it. There's so many things in this movie that are, like, so fun. The weirdest part, though, I still, to this day, do not understand the entire character of Argyle. (laughs) (laughs) Like every time they cut back to him, I'm like, you're going to be important to the plot, right? No, no, you are not going to be important to the plot, especially because they're like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to escape in this little car. But it's like it's surrounded by cops. There's no way (laughs) letting this car out without at least checking it. Like, what is he expecting to do? So his little like hero moment is very like, "Okay, (laughs) sure, Argyle.
2: He does add to the Christmasness of it, though. He plays Christmas songs.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going back to Elf, by the way, that is my one negative on Elf is that uh, <laughs> so many goddamn Christmas songs. Um, I was really, <laughs> I was in the trenches fighting for my life by the end. Like, they would just start playing. I was like, no, I feel like I'm in a mall in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> um, But, yeah, I think this, like, really works. Um, Oh, also, I love Ellis, who, as a kid, I never really, like, thought was that interesting of a character. But now that I, like, know, like, smarmy business people, I'm like, oh, this guy's fun. (laughs) I enjoy him. I wish there was more Ellis, the worst person in the world. (laughs) Actually, the amount of, like, shitty people in this movie that aren't the villains is so funny. The reporter the um police guy both of the um fbi agents (laughs) interesting though that the director did this and predator and hunt for i guess he did a lot but it's like you would think like someone who was able to make something like this iconic would do more than like a couple movies that are well known um he did one of the sequels right yeah he did the third one um which is like the one that how I always remember is you can watch the first one, you can watch the second one, but like hmm, after the third one. um, But like I watched the third one recently for the first time. I was like, "Oh, this is fun. I like I it." I
2: like the third one a lot. I don't remember why, but I really remember enjoying one and three specifically. I was well, kind of bored three of too. is like
0: a direct sequel to this one. The second mm-hmm. one is just like almost a retread, except uh, spoilers for Die Hard two. So skip over for a second if you haven't seen it. um, <laughs> They, like, blow up a plane in the second one, and I remember it fucked me up as a kid because I was like, oh, wow, a lot of people just died. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, you're used to watching these movies, and you're like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. One or two characters will die, and then a whole plane full of, like, children and shit blows up, and you're just like, oh, God.
2: (laughs) Nice. Also, the third movie has Jeremy Irons and Samuel L. Jackson. You can't go wrong.
0: But, yeah, it's really, like wild to watch this movie again knowing that like um bruce willis when you think of like the big stars actually to your point alina when you're talking about like the john waynes and all this stuff bruce willis should be one of those but he fell so unceremoniously at some point
2: i think there's Uh, (laughs) like a running joke that bruce willis kind of phones it in now and i think that's why
0: i think it's well i also like he's well known to be a diva but i feel like Mm. a bunch of people are a diva um it's also wild to imagine this movie um knowing that he was just doing the show moonlighting um which was a very cute like murder mystery show with him and sybil shepherd which if you know sybil shepherd is also a diva and a monster so i can only imagine what that set was like um (laughs) fun fact for film people um when you watch a tv show and they're talking about will they or won't they um and then they get together and it like kind of ruins the show that's called the moonlighting effect um and it's based on the show moonlighting where they were having a will they or won't they and as soon as they had sex the show went shit and so like bones i think is also considered like the moonlighting effect there's a bunch of shows where it's like if the characters are will they won't they and then they get together and the show's like not good because of it um because of that it was the first show to like really do it like screw their premise by having them fuck and i do remember watching the dvds as a kid and like they do (laughs) they like fuck and i was like oh this is a wild thing for like 1991 but yeah so like imagining that and knowing that he was in like a little show and then ends up being like the biggest star in the world all of a sudden it's kind of cool it is interesting though when you think of bruce willis you don't really think of much movies maybe um The M. Night Shyamalan movies and then maybe die uh, and then definitely die hard. Um, I'd
2: say red as well, but I haven't seen those.
0: Oh, I forgot he was in red. I just scroll Mm -hmm. down Uh, the Expendables as well, but that's like late. Oh, oh, man, I love (laughs) Bruce Willis. I'm going through and it's like, oh, yeah, he's in Sixth Sense he's in he's in a
2: lot of good shit
0: yeah he's in the fifth element which is one of is probably the only high sci-fi like intense sci-fi that i can stand the rest i just it it's like my uh achilles heel in movies pulp fiction Mm. 12 Um,
2: monkeys interesting
0: that he only showed up for i believe don't correct me if i'm wrong um only one wes anderson because yeah. I remember liking him in Moonrise Kingdom.
2: Also, uh, we're forgetting his most iconic role, RJ the Raccoon in Over the Hedge.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. And my friends, that is the star draft. Hollywood's award season is right around the corner, and that means another season of star draft is upon us. Star draft turns Hollywood's award season into fantasy football. You draft actors and musicians, they win accolades throughout the award season. And your team earns points. This year, the Star Draft is hoping to sign up their thousandth user. And if they do, they're going to give away $1,000 in cash prizes. So join a league today and spread the word. Even we at ClapperCast have a league that you can join on the site's public leagues page. So sign up today. Battle it out with me, Alina, and Paul. Just look up ClapperCast on the website. And that is at thestardraft.com. Once again, thestardraft.com. And may the Anoms be ever in your favor. Well, why don't we move on to our third film, my film, The Muppets Christmas Carol. I will say I don't know really why I picked this, because I didn't grow up with Muppets. I feel like that's weird. I feel like a lot of people my age grew up with Muppets. I never watched these puppets do stuff.
2: I also didn't grow up with Muppets, Carson.
1: Thank you. Good. not Because all my friends were like, you didn't grow up with Muppets? What? And I'm like, well, no, I didn't.
2: You had a terrible childhood. But I watched this. (laughs) Wow.
1: True. Um, But I... (laughs) Well, I watched it at Museum 2 Battle the Smithsonian a lot, so I had a good childhood, I would say. But um, I, I watched this because I've seen most of the other versions of A Christmas Carol, but everyone kept saying this is one of the best. And I watched it on Disney+, Plus. had no expectations, and I loved this film. It is so clever. And I think it works both as a satire of the story and also just as a strong version of the story itself. Uh, The Muppets are incredibly impressive. I don't feel like that's anything new to say. Like, the puppetry of the Muppets are great. But there's so many scenes where they go so over the top and they just don't need to. You have, like, a crowd of carolers just to the side where you have, like, ten Muppets singing. And it's like, well, that is really cool to have on set. Really complex, obviously, to operate and have. And you just do it as, like, a background thing. Um, I found the film to be actually funny, which I know here we're saying most of these are actually funny. Most Christmas films are not actually funny, um, so I appreciate it when they are. Um, I think the wholesome heart of this one is strong enough. Like, yes, it is a Christmas carol. Ultimately, you know the story. You know what's going to happen. But the presentation of this, I thought was so fun to where it might be my favorite version of the story in general. Like, I think this is amazing. Uh, Everyone hyping it up, you know, you were right. It is great. Um, I'm curious what y'all think. So, had you never seen this before? No. This is, I think, other than the Muppets office parody, this might be my first Muppets thing in general.
2: This is my first Muppets movie that I've seen the whole way through. I've, like, known of them. I've known all their names. Like, I know of Kermit and Miss Piggy and Gonzo and all those fuckers. But I've never, like, sat and watched one from, like, start to finish until literally this morning, December 23rd, 2021.
0: I'm losing my goddamn mind right now. Right. So this is a fun fact. There's so many fun facts I have for this one. Sorry, Carson. I'm basically taking this one over because uh, (laughs) this is the first movie I ever watched. Ever. My parents took me to the theater um, when I was like, let's see, three, I guess. I mean, I'm sure I like had movies on, but this is the first one that like um, we went out to the theater and, you know, saw everything. Let's see. Ninety-two, no God. Yeah, scroll all the way back
1: up to your letterbox. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Um.
0: Oh, side note, parents, um, parents and film producers, just always listen to me, um, (laughs) parents, film producers, and alcoholics. I (laughs) got (laughs) you. um parents start logging your kids letterbox don't do a fucking instagram instagram is i'm 100
2: do percent doing a letterbox for my future children
0: um i thought you were gonna say for your future cats which no
2: <laughs> i didn't have really thought about like tagging movies i watch with doug my cat I but i haven't
0: so. i thought so too except the thing is it would never say alone for me um mm. so I would like have these like weird uh like it just seemed very pathetic for me to be like with Arrow.
2: My cat also usually leaves and like <laughs> I would
0: have to log that too, up. yes. Arrow fell asleep. Like Clifford
2: <laughs> left after twenty six minutes.
0: Like slapping him. <laughs> Arrow, wake up. <laughs> okay, so with that in mind, um Muppet Christmas Carol is probably like I think I have it in my top 20 movies of all time. Um, I absolutely love this goddamn movie. Um, I think it's perfect. Um, We'll get into the huge problem with it in a second. But overall, it's so good. Um, Just even down to Michael Caine knowing how to play it 100% real. And he's doing legit ebenezer scrooge acting against fucking kermit the frog against uh you know the puppet of father christmas and (laughs) all or um the ghost of christmas future uh and his like crying and begging to this creature oh so good um also all the songs fuck like we like play like fucking um frosty the snowman and rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and the things i'm like where are like you know dun 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 dun, dun when the cold blows it chills you where is all that shit like why are we playing that and, and when i say we i mean i am playing it non-stop in the house um you're I meaning to...
2: why the fuck isn't this on the radio or at the grocery yes! store yes
0: it's so weird um and it's like my favorite <laughs> it's just it's all so good um but I guess that's a good segue into the biggest problem with this movie. So, Carson, you don't know this. I'm told Elena to watch it like this. I don't know if you did.
2: Uh, I didn't because I watched it with my mom and sister and they didn't want to pause it. But I watched it after I finished the film. Yes. So I did okay. watch it.
0: So, um, Carson, the original movie includes one additional song. And it's called When Love is Gone. And it's the song that Belle sings to young Ebenezer. And it was originally in the movie. And then the powers that be at Disney said, this is a sad song. We need to cut it. So they cut it. But they kept it in for the original Laserdisc and the original uh, VHS. So my entire generation was raised believing that when love is gone was in the movie. And then when DVDs came out all of a sudden, and when it came out on Disney plus all of a sudden they were gone fucking just the best song in the movie. Um, So basically what when love is gone is, is her saying, you know, we at one point were in love, but now we're not because you're a terrible person, but it's the same um, musical styling of um sorry musical people i don't know those terms um of the love we found at the end of the movie that they all sing together which that mean that has no meaning until you remember that it's the song you see it connected to the song that's like this sad ode to like losing love and actually what's the weirdest part is it's the song at the end of um that plays over the credits (laughs) which why would you choose when love is gone as you're like in song while everyone's walking out of the theater. Remember that things were very depressing earlier. Um, <laughs> but I think it's like one of the greatest songs ever written in terms of like for a musical, because it is so sad and so bleak. Also, Michael Caine tries to sing during it and his voice cracks and he starts crying. Ugh, so good. Um, anyway they
2: cut it out because it's too sad and kids can't be too sad they did the same thing with pocahontas they cut out if i never knew you and i thought that that was a thing and then i like because i watched it like in like i don't know probably like the 20th anniversary one and then i went and watched like an old vhs copy and it wasn't there and i was like what what do you mean like why kids can handle some sad bullshit for a little while because i want to cry
0: Yeah, and it's also, like, I love that Disney's like, oh, no, we can definitely have Mufasa run over by a pack of wildebeest, but dear God, can they not watch- We can't (laughs) have Michael Caine crying. No. We can't have a woman sad. Mufasa
1: can be Joe Belled in the Serengeti, (laughs) but absolutely not for Michael Caine.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, like, it was, like, it's such a weird thing, and it's the one- aspect that i was really expecting disney plus to fix i will give them credit they did release a uh, like 4k version of it that you can watch as a deleted scene but it is such a thing that people talk about i'm surprised instead they didn't just do and here's the full version of the movie you know the director's cut or whatever and not even listed as the main one just listed as an aside most people would watch that one because it's the better film um it's like it's the one thing it's like uh you know when you hear about like great films where like scenes were cut out um like metropolis from like you know the 20s and things like that where you're like we're still doing this in the fucking 90s we're still like butchering movies blade runner same thing give me nine versions of muppet christmas carol i will watch them all Mm -hmm. um
1: so this other... really is your Star Wars, then? Oh <laughs> You're yeah, just clamoring yeah. for the unbelief, oh no, I don't think unedited you... version.
0: This, without a doubt, is the movie I've watched the most in my life. Like, without question. A um, second only, or uh, not second only. Um, the only one that could even possibly get close is She's the Man, and that was because I used to watch it every night before I went to sleep. but uh (laughs) that was only like a three month period and i feel like i've watched this multiple times at christmas um so i think this one probably hits it a little bit better
2: maybe they'll add when love is gone like next year because it'll be like the 30th anniversary
0: god oh that's true Yeah. Um well let's start a petition. Um <laughs> parents, alcoholics, and <laughs> studio executives, please <laughs> sign my uh <laughs> change petition.
2: Can you actually make one? It'd be funny.
0: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure I get am it. sure there is one and there's I'm sure there's like thousands of people. I should just like <laughs> let
2: me look. I'm gonna look right now.
1: Um If there is one, link in the description below. Sign it. We can do this, guys. so the other thing is um
0: talking about this movie is there a lot of characters who don't end up being um
2: i found it (laughs) 122 people have signed i'm gonna send you the link
0: bullshit it was Um,
2: made three years ago
0: oh that was even before disney plus yeah okay well we'll have to fix this um the other thing is there's a lot of iconic characters in this that like I guess you guys wouldn't know don't end up being things. So like Rizzo the Rat kind of doesn't exist as much. Um, you never see uh, the Tiny Tim Muppet or um, the sisters. I'm
2: obsessed with that little fucking rabbit. I was that,
0: like, about to talk Christmas about Bean Kills. Bunny. <laughs> okay, so here's, I love
2: him. So here's the thing about
0: <laughs> Bean Bunny. A couple months ago um, or maybe a year ago at this point, uh somebody from the movie, Kurt R. Thatcher, I don't know how he was related to the movie. Uh, but they asked, Where's Bean? Why isn't Bean in any more things? And he said, <laughs> I love Bean and it was discussed, but he crumbled. <laughs> okay, let me try again. <laughs> I love Bean and it was discussed but he has crumbled into scraps and would need to be rebuilt. And it didn't make sense for just a small cameo in the movie, maybe for our next project, talking about the uh, haunted mansion. But like the image of like, you know, one of our favorite childhood things just crumbling into scraps. (laughs) Kills me.
2: So sad. Literally when Scrooge throws, like, I think it's a wreath at him. I almost cried.
0: And he's sitting there shivering in the yeah. middle of the night. <laughs> I was
2: like, this poor fucking rabbit. I can't handle it. Because I love rabbits. Like, Max and Ruby, Miffy, Bean Bunny now. I'm a bitch who loves rabbits. And I hate I can't. It really broke my heart. I almost cried.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> Bean Bunny is, like, one of the best parts of this movie.
2: The thing I didn't realize about this one is Kermit the Frog is not in it as much as I thought he would be.
0: No. It's, yes, it, I
2: didn't I didn't know that Kermit was a secondary character.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it really sticks Gonzo probably the only time outside of one terrible film in the 90s um, in center stage. And he
1: mm-hmm.
0: also, it works very well for like the Dickens character.
1: Well, on that note, I guess, why don't we go into our last film, if you want to call it that. Uh, Paul, similar to me and Alina with lesbian vampire killers on Halloween, you kind of brought this, to this special, um, not as your film, but just as a bonus. So why don't you go ahead and introduce it? Because um, it, it's something. I'll give you that. Yeah.
0: Before we talk about this next movie, um, it is a So Bad It's Good, and we'll be getting straight into spoilers. So if you're interested in a New York Christmas wedding, then I would go ahead and watch that first before we like start talking about things, because it's a wild ride. So actually, this is also um, a twist on a famous story uh that story being it's a wonderful life um but instead of figuring out that you are worth it instead it figures out everything would be better if you were gay um, <laughs> and
1: so true <laughs> this is what joe bell fought for guys this is what he walked for <laughs> was this reality so
0: my friend and i we're like looking for a bad movie for our terrible movie Tuesdays. And we wanted something that was new and recent. So we were looking at things like a night before Christmas, K N I G H T um, or any of those kind of movies, a Christmas Prince or something. And then a New York Christmas wedding came up and I was like, let's do that one. So we put it on completely blind to what the story was going to be. And basically, it's about this girl named Jennifer. And it starts with a, uh, it's not a flashback, but it's uh, set in her teenage years as she's setting up for Christmas to hang out with her friend Gabby, uh, making eggnog, making way too many things. Um, And then Gabby wants to hang out with her boyfriend instead. So she breaks up with Gabby and says, I'm not ever going to talk to you again because you won't hang out with me after my mother died possibly 2 years ago um and you won't do everything for me anymore um and then it cuts to years later where she is a terrible veterinarian the first thing you see is her losing a patient <laughs> and then she goes to on to explain that she quit her job at Goldman Sachs to become a veterinarian for no particular reason um, that's not described at all. And she is the fiance of a rich man who is about to um, inherit a fortune 500 company of nondescript <laughs> <laughs> explanation. And then she meet <laughs> then she meets Azrael Gabby son.
1: Who, um, (laughs) Yaz King, Yaz,
0: is her gay guardian angel who transports her into the life that she wants, which is where her and Gabby borderline hate each other but are living together, and also her dad's alive because apparently being gay makes people around you not have cancer (laughs) (laughs) and the movie like trying to describe this movie like going straight through is fucking wild because it has it just scenes happen and by the time you're kind of understanding like where the scene's supposed to go the scene like completely shifts i think one of the most obvious parts is at the opening that she goes to dinner with the parents of her uh, fiance and it jumps through like eight different topics at lightning fast speed just vomiting out exposition at you and then all of a sudden the husband goes honey broccolini which is like a classic (laughs) line (laughs) i legit (laughs) tackle every time i watch this movie and then she goes i'm going for a run in the middle of their nice dinner and that's how the rest of the movie goes on the amount of just like uh, it feels so much like a first draft but like a first draft where like shooting was in three days and you're just like yep this is the location we have we got to move to this location there is no rhyme or reason to what happens but uh i'm curious what you guys thought about this film and we'll like continue on through the plot as we go because to describe it all at once is just a little too much for the average listener
2: I was just wildly confused. Like, I don't understand the point of this movie. Like, how is she, like, I don't think she's, like, a full-on veterinarian. She's, like, definitely, like, just a vet tech or something. But she's, like, crying over this dog dying in, like, the first five minutes. And then later, when she gets transported into, like, her alternate life with Gabby, they have a dog named Smudge, and she doesn't seem to know how to act around a dog. Which you think she would because she works in a veterinary's office with dogs.
0: What? My other favorite part is the first time I watched this movie, um, I did not realize that her future mother-in-law was making an insult where she says, you've become a dog groomer. And I thought she was literally, I thought that she had killed a dog during the grooming session. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I had to like go back and like rewatch that scene and be like, did I miss something? Was she supposed to be
1: just cutting this dog and full on just murdered it? I think the first red flag with this film probably was when it opens in the filmmaking. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be rude at all. I'm really trying to just be authentic and objective here. It has the skill level of a teenager on iMovie who just downloaded it on their new Mac and made their first film. That was the first red flag. And I'll say eventually... It got more competent with the iMovie editing, not above that, didn't surpass it, but it got better with it. Um, no, this film is chaos. I had no idea walking into it anything about the film. Um, so as soon as we got to the gay guardian angel, that was a lot. <laughs> that was I'm not gonna lie, that was a lot. And then it keeps, it's like a, it's like you pushed a snowball down a hill and just kept collecting more and more snow. And it all ends with the guardian angel as the little ornament. And that was the full snowball hitting me. And I was just like, yeah, that, that was everything. Everything Paul hyped, everything I could have wanted from this. It was quite an experience. I wouldn't say it was a film. You know, I, I don't know if it was a film, but it certainly was something.
2: I was not expecting this to be like so like Catholic religious because in the in the timeline where Gabby and Jenny are like a couple, they like are involved with their local Catholic church and their father, uh, or whatever the priest guy is called. I don't know Christian denominations; it's very confusing to me. There's ministers, there's priests, there's fathers. I don't know what the differences. Anyway, Mister Big of <laughs> Sex and the City fame is their priest guy. And there's a point where, like, Gabby and Jenny are like, can you please allow some same-sex marriages in your church? And he's like, no, but maybe. Um, And then there's a point later where he's, like, standing up for the gays in his church. And he, like, outs his, like, half his congregation as, like, queer. And I was like, what is happening Like, And they're portraying it as like a good thing. But I was like, I think if you go to like a Catholic church, you don't want to like, it was just like a lot. I was like, did he ask them if that was okay? Because obviously he didn't. And there was like 20 people going up there. And he called them up. Like, they were like, <laughs> yeah. winning stickers from a teacher. Or something. it was a lot. Those, that plot line was a lot for me.
1: Let the sinners come to the stage. Come to father. <laughs> no come way. to daddy. I'll give you And there's you people it.
2: walking out as he's doing this sermon, too. And so all those hateful <laughs> bitches are going to know that all those ones are gay. <laughs> what if they were friends? Oh, my God. It was just like, that's messy. <laughs>
0: oh there's so much in this movie that's messy like why is her dad still alive it makes no sense for the rest of this plot other than to, like give her more people to talk to but also like if this is her dream world why couldn't her mom be alive they're like no no mm-hmm. <laughs> we hate her also, that bitch stays dead <laughs> in her yeah. like
2: original version where she's engaged to like david or whatever his name is who is the director of the movie by the way yes <laughs> uh wild um Gabby is dead in that version. Yes. She, she, what? <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> Not like, only.
2: By Jenny being gay, she saves both her dad and her childhood best friend turned wife.
0: Yes. But, I mean, getting into spoilers for a New York Christmas wedding, um, <laughs> has to sacrifice Azrael Gabison, who is named Gabison. Because he's Gabby's aborted child or like stillborn, stillborn, Gabby's stillborn child. And it's so fucking wild because he like it's like, oh, yes, I'll sacrifice myself. I'm like, you're already a dead baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was like, I don't understand that. He's like, I won't exist at all. And I was like, you're a fetus. <laughs> like, did he grow up in heaven? That was confusing to me. I don't understand that.
1: You know, at six, you know, at four weeks, it starts to have a soul.
0: This movie is like a hundred percent on the uh, nature versus nurture argument. <laughs> it's like that baby was gay in the womb.
1: <laughs> that was a queen growing. Um, no, but like, <laughs> really, is the opposite of the baby from Nightmare Alley. I guess those are like the dichotomy of like this. Oh is the god. Lord,
0: but it's so wild like a that this movie exists b that it thinks it's trying to be like some sort of like pro gay statement um and then also i mean now he's like in a bunch of controversies but at the time it was insane to see like chris noth just like showing up um you know mr big all of a sudden and he's an executive producer on this really um yes that's when you should have known he was sus it's when (laughs) he's like yes i will put money into a new york christmas wedding
1: (laughs) no what's Um, more wild the true plot twist of this whole thing is that this is not a netflix original i was amazed it's on netflix but it's not a netflix original and that yes they just bought it (laughs) was the plot twist they said yeah you deserve to be on here but they didn't make this. Someone organically made this film, thought it was good <laughs> enough to make, enough to release, and then Netflix, like it says something that they said this would fit in line with what we do. <laughs>
0: yes, they Wild. looked at this movie and they were like, "The queers will like this."
2: <laughs> I want to know what the lighting budget for this film was because a is dollar, like the worst lighting I've ever 50 seen cents? ever. Oh my god.
1: I would love if Netflix had a little option that you could just switch on and Dave Chappelle did a commentary track for this <gasps> as he watched it, because they love Dave Chappelle. That's <laughs> you know the, what? That's how you get most Netflix. <laughs> the other thing that's really funny about this movie is the
0: overall New York Christmas wedding of it all. Like, I don't know exactly when this is supposed to be set in terms of the timeline, but it seems like it's at max October, maybe November and (laughs) the mother-in-law is like oh no we're having a Christmas Eve wedding get your dress ready I've already done everything and it's just like this constant line of just like oh no all of this is and she's like doesn't want to do a Christmas wedding and then the movie goes you know it'll be fun a surprise New York Christmas wedding she'll be fine with that um at the end of this movie she's basically like shocked into uh, marrying her girlfriend and then um, by Chris Noth who's like, yes, I actually I will do this. And then goes back into her real world and has to decide whether or not she wants to be gay. <laughs> Which I think I mean, is that, that's how it went I, for you, right, Carson?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's pretty much what happens, right? <laughs> so I'm just waiting any time now, pull me out, you know, unplug me, let's go, let me get my choice in. Um, <laughs> but yeah i mean it's definitely a choice i'll say i also think like i'll just say a christmas wedding is the worst idea in the world what a way to just oh, guarantee horrible. that you're gonna have a shitty christmas it's the worst idea in the world i don't know this movie is like a lot i don't i cannot tell and this is similar to how i felt when i first watched cats i cannot tell if i love or hate this film because where i hate it and it's like clearly bad i also love it with such a passion i don't know I'm torn, guys. The second every year we might need to revisit this one to be honest, just to see how our thoughts evolve. I
2: don't want us to do that gimmick. I will
1: quit. The
0: second, uh, the second time I watched it, I really was like, "This is this is definitely a Christmas classic." Um, because you're like sitting there and you're like, "No, this is pretty great." Um, yeah, because there's not truly terrible Christmas movies. Um, there are. But none that like hit that so bad it's good line like this. This is just uh, and it gets better knowing what's coming. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Azrael Gabison. And it's so like the second time you watch it and you know that's coming and then he says the name and you're like, how did I not notice this? (laughs) It's so stupid. I would
2: like to know, was that his angel name or did Gabby actually name him Azrael?
0: I think she's supposed to have named him that.
2: (laughs) That's insane.
0: I also like that he doesn't get her last name. He just gets (laughs) Gabison.
1: Like it's what the uh, 200s. (laughs) Someone needs to pick an edit where he's the angel and it's a wonderful life. Have him
0: be the guardian angel at the end or whatever. And he's just like, actually, no, I do want to die. Thank you. Yeah, he just. I was reading some reviews, jump.
2: and somebody was saying that, like, the ending when, like, they're in the church and, like, Azrael is like pressuring Gabby to, like, decide whether she wants this life or go back to her gay life, reads like a horror movie, and that's really funny <laughs> to me. It's a really funny interpretation.
0: <laughs> well, what's so weird is, like, I don't particularly like "It's a Wonderful Life." It's a film that I feel like is really like sickeningly sweet, Um but the thing about this is there's so many aspects that kind of like it tries to take from this and just keeps adding into to where it's impossible to really like uh do a correct like one-to-one on these two lives that she could have like it's not do you love this girl or do you love this guy it's like do you love this girl if you don't she's dead oh also your dad's dead But you won't be rich, but you'll have this dog, but you'll have to deal with, um, you know, homophobia in the Catholic Church. It's so weird. There's so many things that you're like, this could be a better (laughs) like there's a movie in here that's like kind of good. Um, Not good, but like a fine Netflix original kind of movie. But it keeps going and trying to like I really think this man thought he was making like. The greatest film of all time and that's kind of why it sits in like the room for me um it doesn't feel cynical it feels like he really sat there and was like god damn i'm a genius
2: this lesbian pro-life movie is it for the 2020 holiday season
0: (laughs) and look in 2021 i'm still recommending it to people (laughs) they're gonna be like why did so many people watch this i guess we'll just make a sequel
2: Okay, I'm reading the Letterboxd Reviews movie. Oh, my God. I'm reading the Letterboxd Reviews right now for a New York Christmas wedding. And this one is five stars with the heart. Maybe gay rights was a mistake. (laughs) Half half star, single most thrilling experience of my life. That's Paul's alt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Imagine watching this with a friend. And both of us were just expecting, like, a exactly like what we just watched with, like, A Castle for Christmas, Alina. And then, like, 15 minutes into this, we were like, what is happening? <laughs> just, like, we were like, okay, pause. We're going to go make some more cocktails. We have to come back to this in a second.
2: <laughs> okay, wait. This one's funny. One star came for lesbian Hallmark rom-com, left with an unsettling time travel Catholic gay fetus ghost <laughs> psychodrama. <laughs> imagine finding out you have a guardian angel but then it turns out to be a a twink half star (laughs) one star i'm mad because this could have been a serve if they actually tried
1: (laughs) i love it i think the message we're all coming away with similar to how we were with lesbian vampire killers is go watch this for yourself it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think it really is an experience you need to see to understand. Even if you have it spoiled for you, it is still gonna be shocking, I guarantee you. Well, I think that's it for our 2021 Christmas special. Let's go around and where we can find everyone on social media. Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Alina.
2: I am at Alina Falls on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, letterbox, Carson Tamar. Make sure to sign the the petition to get that song back in and sign my new petition to get James Corden to make a Christmas film because he hasn't yet. It was canceled. So make sure to get on that. Uh, Well, You can find new episodes of ClapperCast every single Wednesday. Send us an email at clappercast at gmail.com. But we will be back to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye.